ഓം നമോ ഭഗവത്തെ വാസുദേവായ ഓം നമോ ഭഗവത്തെ വാസുദേവായ ഓം നമോ ഭഗവത്തെ വാസുദേവായ On this 22nd day of September 2019 in Potomac, Maryland, we're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, translation and commentary by the disciples of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. We are in the 11th canto, entitled General History. Chapter 24, The Philosophy of Sankhya, text number 6. Tebhya samabhavat sutram. Mahan Sutrena Sangyutaha Tato Vikurvato Jato Yohankaro Vimohanaha Tebyak Samabhavat Sutram Mahan Sutrena Sangyutaha Tato Vikurvato Jato യോഹങ്കാരോ വിമോഹന മോഹന സമഭവത്സൂത്രം മഹാൻസൂത്രേന സംയുത്തോവക്കൂവറ്റോ ജാത്തോ യോഹങ്കാരോ വിമോഹന ഹേഭ്യക്സമഭവത്സൂത്രം മഹാൻസൂത്രേന സംയുത്തോവക്കൂവറ്റോ ജാത്തോ യോഹങ്കാരോ വിമോഹന ഫ്രം നോസ് മോഡ്സ് സമഭവത് അറോസ് സൂത്രം ദ ഫസ്റ്റ് ട്രാൻസ്ഫർമേഷൻ ഓഫ് നേച്ചർ endowed with the potency of activity mahan primeval nature endowed with the potency of knowledge sutrena with this sutra tattva samyutaha conjoined tataha from the mahat vikurvataha transforming jataha was generated yaha which ahankaraha false ego vimohanaha the cause of bewilderment okay. translation so this is krishna speaking to uddhava the uddhava gita from these modes arose the primeval sutra along with the mahatattva by the transformation of the mahatattva was generated the false ego the cause of the living entities bewilderment purport according to shri shri lashridar swami sutra is the first transformation of the material nature that manifests the potency of activity and that is accompanied by the mahatattva which is endowed with the potency of knowledge In the material world one's real knowledge is covered by fruit of activity and mental speculation as one's devotional service to the lord slackens these two tendencies grow automatically just as the diminishing of light 
automatically brings, on, brings an increase in darkness. All right, I'm going to read one more. You can chant. Vaikarikas taijasascha Tamasascheteham trivit Tanmatrendriyam manasam Karanam chidachinmayaha False ego, which is the cause of physical sensation, the senses and the mind, encompasses both spirit and matter and is manifested in three varieties, in the modes of goodness, passion, and ignorance. Purport. The word chid-achin-maya, encompassing both spirit and matter, is significant in this regard. The false ego is the illusory combination of the eternal conscious soul and the temporary unconscious body. Because the uh, spirit soul desires to exploit illicitly the creation of God, he is bewildered by the three modes of nature and assumes an illusory identity within the material world. Struggling to enjoy, he becomes more and more entangled in the complexities of illusion and only increases his anxiety. This hopeless situation can be overcome by taking to pure Krishna consciousness in which the pleasure of the Supreme Lord becomes the only goal of one's life. Om Jnana Timarandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya I was born in the darkness of ignorance, but my spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offer my humble obeisances unto him and to all members of Sri Parampara. So Krishna is, is continuing to describe the science of Sankhya, which uh, includes an analysis of our material situation and how it has come to be. And real Sankhya also culminates in bhakti, which is the means of getting out of this entanglement. So first we heard how the first, uh, the previous verses described how Mahavishnu was glancing over the uh, material energy and the pradhanas created, the Mahatattva. And it's described why this is going on. There's a purpose behind it. And the purpose is to give all those living entities who didn't go back to Godhead and who were residing uh, in suspended animation within the body of Mahavishnu another chance to fulfill their unfulfilled desires and hopefully, hopefully to uh, contact Krishna consciousness to get the clue about how they can get out of this trap that they've gotten themselves into by turning away from Krishna and becoming absorbed in Maya. So now we're hearing the, how this the creation is progressing. So there's this, this primeval sutra, which is the first transformation of material nature that manifests the potency of activity. So without activity, nothing is going to go on. So there needs to be that uh, ability to uh, interact, for the soul to interact with the modes of nature. And that, as we're going to uh, read in the second verse, uh, uh, excuse me, in this verse, uh, is, this, is the false ego. The false ego is described here as uh, a combination of matter and spirit because it is the connection of the living entity with the material world. False ego means this false sense of self. Unless we have a false sense of self and we consider ourselves matter, then we won't be uh, entrapped and bewildered by this material energy. That illusion of, of being part of the material world is essential for us to 
uh, focus on it and try to enjoy it and try to dominate and be entangled. So the, the false ego is described in the Bhagavad Gita, famous verse 327, that in actuality, material energy is acting, is doing all these things, uh, according, uh, according to the modes of nature, gunai karmani sarvasha. But the living entity entrapped in material energy and bewildered by false ego is thinking, I'm the independent doer of everything. And this is the, the, uh, the uh, essence of our entanglement in this world. This false sense of being a separate actor than from, from Krishna. We completely forget about Krishna. And we're simply absorbed in this material energy. So this, uh, it'll be described how the false ego, the ahankara, in contact with the different modes of nature, produces all the elements that condition the soul. Uh, for instance, the, the false ego, in contact with the mode of passion, produces the mind. Excuse me, produces the intelligence. In contact with the mode of passion, produces... Uh, yeah, in contact with the mode of passion produces the intelligence. In contact with the mode of, excuse me, in contact with the mode of goodness produces the mind. In contact with the mode of passion produces the intelligence. And in contact with the mode of ignorance produces all the senses and the sense objects and everything that we interact with. So this is very nicely explained in the third canto by Lord Kapiladev. And uh, you can see how in, in Prahlad Maharaj describes it. Uh, welcome, Prabhu. How do you go? <laughs> Uh, Pallad Maharaj describes it in his instructions to his classmates. It's, it's something like a, a silkworm weaving that, that uh, uh, what do they call it? The cocoon. Thanks. Sorry, I forgot the word. The cocoon around himself, thinking that he's very safe, but actually he's trapped in there. And eventually the, uh, the, the master comes along and puts, he puts the whole thing into uh, some hot water. He dies and they create the silk. So we think, we think we're secure, we have so many uh, facilities that we're trying to enjoy and trying to use for protection. But actually these constitute our entrapment in this world, our absorption in them, our attachment to them, our reliance on them for protection. In the second chapter, second canto at the beginning, Sukadeva Goswami is summarizing this uh, entanglement in the material world. And he describes the fallible soldiers. You remember that? For those who don't hear Krishna Kata, they have millions of subject matters for hearing. So what is their occupation? Well, they're not coming to Mangalati, they're not chanting their rounds. What are they doing? So he says, Nidriya riyate naktam vivayena tabhavayak divacartahiya rajan kutumbo baranenava during the, during the nighttime, they waste so much time sleeping, having sex. During the daytime, running around, making money. And on the weekend, they're shopping to uh, support their kutumba, means the extended family. That's their activity. Now, in this material world, you always feel threatened. This is part of this material world. So you have various soldiers, you have various defenses that you illusory, but you accept them. So he lists some of them. Deha, Patta, Kalatradishu, Atma Sanyeshu. Atma Sanyeshu means soldiers for protecting the self, the bodily self and everything else. The body itself is a protection. You, take, you try to keep it strong and healthy so that you can ward off any danger. 
uh, the, the children, the wife, the family, extended family. You can add to the list your bank account, your uh, taxes you pay, all these different things. And these are your, your soldiers. But he says they're uh, asatsu, they're fallible soldiers. In other words, they eventually fail you. Everyone, the body fails, all these other things fail. So, and the amazing thing is, it's not a mystery. You live in this world a little time and you see, oh, my grandfather died, this third person died, you know. Obviously, they're not going to last forever. But he says, pashyan, apina pashyati. Teisham pramatto, those who are bewildered, nidanam pashyan. They see that they're destroyed, but na pashyati. This is the nature of material illusion. Even though it's, you, you see the difficulty of this world, you see the threefold miseries, you see that you're heading toward old age, disease, and death, it doesn't register. It doesn't, it doesn't give you the sense of urgency of seeking out a s- solution to these essential problems. The whole material world is a series of distractions, it dis- uh, whether it's uh, uh, materialistic family life, or all of the, the, the baubles and entertainments we have in this world, it all simply distracts the living entity from his real mission in life, which is to again search out, as it says in Vedanta Sutra, Tato Brahma Jigyasa, the ultimate truth, the absolute truth, the source of everything, uh, which, is, uh, which is a person, not impersonal. And to reestablish our relationship with Krishna so that we can get out of this false ego, and enter into the real ego. You have to have an ego, a sense of self. But in the, under the influence of the false ego, we stay entrapped in this illusory world. So understanding how this world has come about and these, uh, this tech, these technicalities is very useful because we get, then you can see the world differently. You can see it as it is. That it is it, behind everything is, the, is Krishna. I was just hearing a lecture and Prabhupada is describing that. Uh, the vision of the Mahabhagavat, you know. Idam vishan bhagavan nivetaro. This is the first line of one of the verses of uh, Narada Muni in the fifth chapter, first canto, when he's uh, encouraging and instructing Vyasadeva to write the Bhagavatam. Very probably quote these verses quite often. So this one is uh, more, a little more obscure than the others, but the first line he would quote, Idam vishan bhagavan. This whole world, universe, is nothing but bhagavan because it's his energies. We're meant to see him like, see this world like that. So it says, "Idam Vishnu Bhagavan Ivetara," but it seems to be different. In, when we're in Maya, when we're in illusion, we don't see Bhagavan; we just see all of these different varieties, and we become absorbed in that. And this is our field of activity, and our, the body is also the field, obviously. All of that uh, is nothing but Krishna's energies. So to keep that in mind, what does Krishna say in seventh chapter? That's the first step in God realization. Right? He says, now I'm going to teach you how your mind can be naturally attracted to me. Previous chapter, he's giving this uh, process of dhyana yoga, ashtanga yoga. Very difficult. He tells Arjun, you go off to a lonely place, sacred place, put down a certain seat, practice pranayama, sit in a certain way, look between the eyebrows. He's giving me all this destruction. And Arjun, he's, he's sitting there, he's got his weapons, he's got his, his armor on, you know, the battle's about to begin. He says, this, this is not me. How am I going to do that? Chanchalam himana krishna pramanti balavadridham. You want me to try to control the mind, it's like trying to control the wind. Down in the Caribbean, everyone knows these, these hurricanes are blowing up. I, am, I just came from, uh, well, I visited there a couple of weeks ago. 
And I was watching, watching, is this Dorian hurricane going to come in and, you know, wreck everything and just skirt it around? So, but it, it, very powerful, these winds, impossible to stop. So Arjun compares it to that. Just like we know, when the mind gets going on something, it's very difficult to bring it back. So after the whole, uh, Arjun expresses his doubts about uh, success and Krishna assures him, don't worry, even if you fail, you'll get born in a yogi family or a rich family, a Brahmin family. So, but at the end, he really encourages him. He says, basically, don't worry. Yogi nama visarvesham, magatin antaratmana, shudhavam, but the yomam, samayukta tamamana. That the, the best yogi is one who's always, always worshipping me within himself with great faith and remembering me. And Arjun said, oh, that's me already. You know. <laughs> so that was encouraging. But in the next verse, the beginning of the seventh chapter, he says, all right, don't worry about dhyana yoga. Here's a more practical process for becoming absorbed in thinking of the absolute truth. Um, naturally, maya saktamana, because the whole point is to become attached and attracted. If the mind is naturally attracted to something, you don't have to for- force it to think of it. This is the great benefit of being Krishna conscious. Krishna is all attractive. So, and then after a few verses, he starts describing exactly what we hear. He's analyzing. It's Sankhya. Bhumar, Apo, Onano, Vayu, Kangmano, Buddha, Devacha. These are my separated energies. Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego. This is also material energy. But it's connection. The connection between the soul and matter. Very important. So besides these, are all these living entities, who are, are, are we ourselves, who are uh, sustaining this material world. Without the presence of the living entity in the material body, it just collapses. There's nothing there. So the living entity is, is everywhere throughout the material world, sustaining so many bodies, and that's really what there is in this world, a combination of matter and spirit. So then after that, he, he, he describes, after saying, Matak Paratadang Nanyat, you know, everything is strung upon me as a, like, a, like pearls on a thread. You don't see the thread, which is Krishna under everything, but everything is, is being sustained by me. Uh, and there's nothing beyond me. And then he starts describing how the experiences we have through the senses of these material energies. Uh, he's identifying himself as those things because it's nothing but the interaction of Krishna's energies that we're experiencing. So the taste in water, the light of the sun and the moon, the, the fragrance of the earth, the ability in man, uh, all of these different things, which we're always experiencing one or more of those. Now, if we can remember Krishna when we have those experiences, then we can n- nicely progress in Krishna consciousness. There's a little pastime, many of you know this one. Prabhupada's in 26 Second Avenue. In the early days, he's speaking, it must be morning, probably the evening time, the temple was full, and uh, he's giving a talk, and in comes this, what we would call today, homeless transient, you know. And he's staggering a little bit, you know, and everyone stops and looks, what's going to happen? And he says, oh, I have something, something like that. And he runs out, comes back, he has some toilet paper and some... And there's a little bathroom off to the side. Comes in and gives it, you know, and says, uh, I forget what he said. But he made a little disturbance and then he left. And Prabhupada said, just see, he's progressing in devotional service. He wasn't in order, but his heart was in the right place. He wanted to give something. He saw there was a sacred and holy man there. You know. So, and then, he, then Prabhupada says, ah, just like that. If you can remember 
that Krishna is the taste of the wine when you're drinking it. Because Prabhupada lived on the Bowery, where you have all of these wine o's we used to call them, you know, lying in front. So he knew that this was a phenomenon. And if you can remember that, Krishna says on the taste of water, the taste of any liquid, then you'll eventually become Krishna conscious. You know. <laughs> so the point is, is that it's practical for us. Is that we, you start where you are, your environment, you see, the experiences you have. You take what you have and you try to connect it to Krishna. Now the first connection is, of course, sound, uh, the holy name. That you receive the holy name, who knows from where. You know, ideally, in initiation, you receive it from the spiritual master. That's one thing. But nowadays, you can get it from the yoga studio. You can get it through the internet. Somehow or other, you receive it and you start chanting. And uh, if you're not chanting super offensively, you know, I mean, no matter how you chant, you'll, you'll have benefit. If you simply hear that sound, it'll, the purification process will begin. And Krishna within the heart, he is the one who's doing the purification. Shrinvatam sakata krishna punishavana kirtana aridyantaksto yabhadrani vidunoti. So it's a cleansing process. All of this contact with the material energy is contaminating for the soul. It covers our original not. We become covered. And instead of being absorbed in Krishna, we're absorbed in the varieties of the material energy, working according to the material modes. And that can go on for eons until we get this, the, the, the intervention, until Krishna himself is there, which is very rare, or his representative, or his books, or within the heart, some, or a devotee. Somehow or other, we get the Krishna's message, pure message, coming to us, the holy name of his message. And that attracts our attention. Now normally you'll find there's a, there's a history as the tribe of Agyata Sukriti is that you don't even know you're doing some devotional service. But it counts. It counts. And eventually that builds up and you become receptive to the message. Other births you may have just shined it on. You didn't, it it didn't, didn't take. But this, this birth some, it, we become interested the attention is attracted. And then if you direct it toward a pure source of knowledge, such as Srila Prabhupada's Bhagavatam, anything like that, then it can, the very powerful vibrations can enter in and the enlightenment takes place. You become more attractive. It's all a question of turning back toward Krishna. And we should understand it's completely natural that this process of bhakti yoga uh, is, is uh, the, the most natural state for the soul. And you feel that. If you're, if you're somewhat Krishna conscious, you're absorbed in the holy name, the deities, whatever service, uh, it just feels right. It's actually soothing for the soul. I remember reading uh, how they've done, uh, you know, they're always doing polls, uh, a happiness poll, who's happy, who's not happy. So there's so much despair in America, you know, right? more, more now than before because of the economy and all this stuff. But those who are regularly uh, worship. You know, mostly Christians, you know, but they go regularly and they sing together, you know, hymns. They found these people are generally more happy, you know. <laughs> so why is that? Because they're getting, uh, at least for a little while, closer to God, closer to Krishna. So you can feel that in, your own, in our own life, that Krishna consciousness is a great balm, it's a great rasayana, a life-giving elixir that uh, helps you to navigate these stormy waters of the material world where you can fall into deep depression and despair and uh, not know what to do. And just, you know, uh, we've, we've been given, uh, just on the material level, it's a, it's a great boon. What to speak of the eternal spiritual level that we're being benefited by. 
So I was so fortunate to have this uh, Bhagavatam Srila Prabhupada. Uh, this was his great you know, mission. He didn't come to America until he had his first canto. We felt he had some real ammunition. And he really put everything into that. You read that first canto because he expressed this, that he wasn't sure how much time he had. So he put so much in there. You just read that first canto and you'll have all the information you need. I sometimes think about how in that second chapter of the first canto, uh, there's this complete lesson in Bhakti Yoga. What is real Dharma? Dharma is that uh, activity which awakens pure love for Krishna. And, uh, you know, uh, Dharma should not be used for accumulating money. Normally you have these four, Dharma, Arta, Kama, Moksha. So religiosity, or cheating religion, means that there's a material motive there. And uh, if you, you, you hope that if you're very pious and you, know, you give a little charity that you'll be blessed with uh, prosperity. You know. That's not what Krishna consciousness is about. That's not what the Bhagavatam is about. Second verse, Dharma approach of the Kaitavotra. Here in this Bhagavatam, here in this movement, all these cheating religions are kicked out. So, as it said, unmotivated, uninterrupted, loving devotion to the Lord, that's the goal. That's the great uh, a goal that we want to strive for, Prema Pamarta Mahan. So the Dharma, that path that leads you there, that activity, uh, is the su- supreme Dharma by which the soul can really become happy, supersedity. And then he goes on uh, that, that uh, you can tell if you're actually practicing real Dharma if you're getting more attracted to hear about God. Dharma su anustitak pungsam vishrak senakatasyak nodpariyet yadritim shamahevihi kevalam. You know the word. So su uh, anustitak means that if you're doing your prescribed duties very nicely, but you're not getting attracted to hear about God, it's just a, hard, a lot of hard labor for nothing. Shamayevihi kevalam. You know, there's no compromise in the Bhagavatam. And then what's the real result of Dharma is Vasudeva Bhagavati, Bhakti Yogabhyot, is Vairagya. You'll feel he's becoming detached from matter and maya and attached to Krishna. And in the process of this uh, Dharma going on, uh, there may be some arta that's coming, but you should be careful not to use it for sense gratification. Use it for Krishna. Kamasin indriya priti, labo jivete yavata. And here we have an echo of the Vedanta Sutra. This Tattva Jigyasa. Shishi Gornatai Kijai. Shishi Radha Madana Mohan Kijai. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. Shishi Sita Ram Lakshman Hanuman Kijai. So right away, in the second chapter, we learn uh, life is not meant for varieties of sense gratification. What's it meant for then? To be inquisitive about the Absolute Truth. This is an echo from Vedanta Sutra, first, first Sutra. Uh, what is that Absolute Truth? This threefold manifestation according to the means of approach, Brahman, Paramatma, and of course Bhagavan. Uh, and how can you realize Bhagavan? That with faith, one has to have faith in the process. This is uh, uh, first mentioned in, uh, obliquely in the, in the Sabai Pungsang verse, 
when he uses the name Adhokshaja for Krishna. This name is often used when you're speaking about the beginning of your process. Why? Because uh, Adhokshaja means the transcendental Lord who's beyond the range of your senses and mind. We can't perceive him directly. Of course, he comes in so many forms that we can perceive, but in ordinary sense, he's not visible. So, Adhokshaja means he who is beyond the range of Akshaja, that knowledge born from the eyes or from the ascending process. We have to receive the knowledge. So, here he says, with faith, one has to worship Krishna, uh, and, and equipped with knowledge and detachment, and if one does it properly, one will eventually see. We'll see the Lord in the heart. This comes in again about ten verses later, at the end of the process. By practicing bhakti according to the shrutis, the, the rules and regulations from the Shastra. So that's uh, very encouraging. And then he says, uh, I think it's this, yeah, Tasmare Kena Manasa, Bhagavan Satpatampati, Shota Bhakti Vijayak Pujasinitida. Therefore, with one point of attention, one should worship the Lord, Bhagavan Ishwaro Hari, the Lord. How? By hearing, chanting, remembering, worshiping all the time. And this is the real meaning of Varnashram. And he goes back to that because he's bringing us out of that Varnashram uh, mode. And he says, Atak Pumbi Dvida Shreshta. That the perfection of your activity in Varna and, and, and Ashram is to uh, satisfy Lord Hari. Not for making prosperity and enjoying sense gratification. He's making it clear. And I'm sorry, I got these verses backwards. Therefore, one should always worship, uh, hear it about, chant and worship and uh, remember uh, Bhagavan. And then what will happen? You will get the sword of remembrance. Remember? With that sword of remembrance, uh, you'll be able to cut your bond, uh, karmic bonds, you know, your attachments to this world and your karmic reaction. Karma grunti and nats nabandhanam, chindanti. Kovidas tasya, for the intelligent devotee, who would not be attracted? Who would not try to become attracted? But how do you get that sort of remembrance? That's by hearing Krishna Gita. So you need to have the uh, attraction for hearing. Remember? How do you get that attachment for hearing? That's the key. By serving the pure devotee, the Vaishnava. Shusha uh, Shodhanasa and the faith that goes with it. And then the last five verses. Shinbatam Sukata Krishna Punishavanakirtana Griddin Taksto Yabadhani Vidunoti Suritsita. By hearing the Krishna Kata nicely, which you are now attracted to, Krishna within the heart, he purifies you of all abhadras, all inauspicious things. The lust, anger, greed, illusion, and darkness. And what happens then? What's the result? That's the verse we chant before the Bhagavatam. Nashta prayeshu abadreshu nityam bhagavata seviya bhagavatyuttama shloke bhakti bhavati naistiki. By regular attendance in classes of Bhagavatam, by hearing Bhagavatam regularly, uh, and by serving the Mahabhagavat, there's two kinds of Bhagavats there, Bhagavatam and the person Bhagavat. Uh, Krishna within the heart uh, destroys almost to nil, with some prayeshu, uh, these uh, unwanted things, the abadras, the anartas. 
And then what happens? Then you're situated in the mo- pretty much in the mode of goodness, pure goodness, and all of these lower modes, the ignorance and passion and their effects, lust, anger, and greed, are diminished practically to nil. Tadarudas, tomon bhava, kamalo Your mind is not affected by that. And then comes vigyan. Now you're beginning to really realize evam prasannamanaso bhagavad bhakti yogataha bhagavad tatta vigyanam mukta sangasajayate. So one becomes naturally joyful. You're reinstated in your original ananda position. Uh, by the process of bhakti yoga, engaged in this way, bhagavad tatta vigyanam. And you, you directly perceive, scientific knowledge probably would call it, this bhagavan, the truth of bhagavan. You're beginning to perceive him within, within and without. And completely free from any attraction to maya. Mukta sangha sajayate. You've conquered, you know. Then the last ver- verse in the instruction, Vidyate vidya grantis, chidyante sarvasangshaya, chiyante jasakamani, drishta evatmani shraya. Now this verse harkens back to the previous one where he says, you see the Lord within your heart. So what's the effect now? The, heart, the, the, the knots in the heart are, t- are cut asunder. Knots in the heart means our attraction for this material world. Vidyate vidya grantis, and chidyante sarvasangshaya. All your doubts are, are eliminated. Because you're getting direct perception. If you're getting direct perception of the Lord, how can there be any doubt? Uh, and then, Chidyan Sarasang, Chiyante, Chiyante Chasti Karmani. And all of your karma, when all of your karma is, is completely gone, you have no more karmic reactions, Drishta Evatmanishrade. You see your master and you see yourself in your original position. That's what the, the meaning of that is. So all of that is in the second chapter of First Canon. So if you, if, who can read eighteen thousand shlokas? Well, just read fifty shlokas, <laughs> and you get the full lesson. And Bhagavatam is full of lessons like that. You know, the nine yogendras, their complete lesson, Kapila Dev. So it's it's very wonderful. And if you, the whole thing is, of course, a wonderful opera, you know, of transcendental knowledge that's presented in the most beautiful language. So this Uddhava Gita is. Uh, a, uh, it occupies a special place in my heart. This was actually the first Krishna Conscious book I read. I got it from another source, just the translations. And it was so fascinating and inspiring about Krishna, he's speaking, that I then, uh, it helped me to visit the temple and get hooked up with this guy. So, any uh, comments or questions on any of these points? Okay. I'll give you a little poem then. End with something sweet. <laughs> So this is a, a prayer to Krishna in the, um, I think it's in a book called the Govinda Virudavali. Virudavali is a certain kind of poetry, Sanskrit poetry. Virudavali means a series of callings out. Viruda is you're calling out directly to Krishna. And that means it's in the vocative form and it's easy to string together a lot of uh, uh, the names like that of, of Krishna, really different names. So I'll give you an example of a very davali form. This isn't the verse that I poeticized, but how's it go? There's all description of Krishna. Now, if you can, it's about twenty of those lines. If you can understand the meaning, you're going to be completely absorbed. You know, these are all amala kamala duchi means the, the beauty of a pure, pristine lotus is defeated by your dancing feet. 
Amala commanded it to come in the pata Not in the pata the kundal di pata And the peacocks are all attracted. You know, they're dancing, but you see that your dancing is even more attractive than theirs. And it goes on like that. And in between these virudavalis, which that's just one meter, there's all different kinds of meters, he composes more exquisite verses. So this is one of them. Prayer. Bhujanga da pachangaka, spudodakanda chudankore, niranka shadraganchala, brahmina bodha bringa brahme. Patanga duhitustati, vanukuti rakeri priye, parasputu me mohostvai mukunda shudharati. Uh, you wear the best of crests, a crown of perfect peacock plumes. Your dancing glances stun the bees, meandering midst the blooms. You relish love play in a cottage by Kalindi shore. O oh, Krishna, may pure love for you be mine forevermore. This is actually the, basically the only prayer that they had, <laughs> ultimately. And uh, a couple of ones from Shikshastaka, we should know. Uh, Your servant for eternity, I lost my true identity and fell into this horrid sea of birth and death, O Lord. O Nanda's son, please hear my plea. By your sweet grace, consider me a speck of dust upon your lotus feet forevermore. And one more. This is a prayer to be pulled out of this deep dark well of Maya that we fall into. This is quoted, this is actually a, a verse quoted in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Uh, no, maybe it isn't. Anyway, it's from Rupa Goswami. Manasita Panijushte, Labnapatos Midushte, Timandagahana Rupe, Hanta Sangsara Kupe, Ajitanakala Dakshahe, Tamundara Daksham, Upanayamahaste, Bhakti Rajun Namaste. Fallen in this deep and dark and dirty well of Maya, Threatened by the snake of lust whose venom burns like fire. Helplessly I pray, O Lord, whose strength is near in doubt. Place the rope of bhakti in my hands and pull me out. <laughs> yes, Mahdi. Uh, when, when you moved on to the poems, Jiva was just getting this mic because I think he had a question. No, no, no. Oh. I'm getting it for people. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, you moved very quickly on. He was. Did, I don't have a question. I just... Wanted to well, see was... if anybody else. <laughs> I wanted to thank you. I really liked um, how you sweetly explained the meaning of the prayers, Nashtpraisha, Badrishu, uh-huh. all that. Uh-huh. And the references to these different prayers, like the last one, last ones I got Rupa Goswami, but before that, you mentioned some. What was that? Um, Govinda Virudavali? Govind Guru Davali. Go- Govinda Virudavali. Okay, and who is the. Author? Rupa, Rupa Goswami. Rupa Goswami. This is, but okay. all, all the prayers were by Rupa Goswami. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I can send it to you. I have okay. it. Sure. <laughs> yeah, this, this is from uh, in 1977. I was, I was working in uh, uh, L.A. with the BBT, the Bhaktivedanta Book Trust, uh, Back to Godhead magazine. And uh, the devotee arrived there and uh, to live with us. His name was Kushakrata Das. And he was a uh, genius. You can see. You're okay. Uh, he was a special genius. He, and he taught himself Sanskrit. He joined the Sanskrit department. And uh, he learned Sanskrit. And before I left L.A., which is about a year later, he had translated the whole Stavamala, including this Virudavali, which is often uh, part of it. 
And I took it with me. There were no, no uh, iPads or anything like that. I didn't have a computer. Computers, you know, were barely coming into use. And so there was, it was a suitcase full of printouts, you know, photocopies. And I took that with me to Atlanta, where I then worked and I eventually... And I started uh, memorizing these verses. I was always attracted to the Sanskrit, obviously. And uh, these were unique and uniquely beautiful. And, and I was thinking, you know, I, I, when, I, when I chant some of these, because I memorized them, many of them. Uh, you know the song to the Six Goswamis, Prabhupada sings it. Very beautiful. And in the, I think it's the third verse, yeah, it's a, it says, She go ranga gunana bhavana bhado shuddhasa vidhyan vito papo tapata kuntano tanubatam govinda gana amritai. So that second line, I'm always reminded of that. What it says there is that by govinda gana amritai, by pouring down uh, a, a flood of nectar in the form of songs about Govinda. These Goswamis, especially Rupa, Sanatan, and Raghunath, who wrote so much, um, are relieving the people in general from the intense suffering due to their serious sins. Papa Utapa Nakuntano. They're cutting off or negating. The Papa Utapa means the sufferings due to great sin. So this is, of course, the chanting Hare Krishna, the whole process does that. But especially, uh, we want to uh, occupy the mind in these most beautiful vibrations. Bhagavatam is filled with them. That's where I started. But uh, these acharyas of ours, this is one of their main services, was composing these books of uh, poetry. And of course, most famously, Nectar of Devotion. Nectar of Devotion is filled with all kinds of wonderful shlokas about Krishna. Uh, what, what is the one a little bit about the uh, oh yeah oh, I forget it it's about Krishna crawling it's, it's the uh, m- the maternal ras you know Vatsalya ras Kanaka Krishna I forget it now but it describes the, this form of Krishna there must be a be hundred million little murtis throughout India in, in pious uh, Vaishnava homes, of little baby Krishna crawling, holding one hand with a little piece of butter in it, or a little butter ball or something, right? And looking up. That's what this describes. Now, I didn't put it into a poem, but I'll explain it. So, Kwanita Kanaka Kinkani Kalapa. So, Krishna is wearing little gold, he's naked basically, but he's wearing these little golden uh, uh, waist bell, uh, bells around his waist. He has waist, uh, golden little bells that, ring, that tinkle. So, Kwanita means tinkling very sweetly. Kanaka is gold. Kinkani, those are the bells. Kalapa means the series. So, Kwanita Kanaka Kinkani Kalapa. Kaladrita Nitam Kanaka Kanaka and he's the smiling face. He's coming toward his mother. And on, his, on his, the tip of his nose is a little pearl, a fulgent pearl affixed. It's a picture being painted here. In his hand, he's holding a little ball of fresh butter. You see? Uh, 
Nananda Nanda Patni, a little play on words. Nanda Patni, of course, is the wife of Nanda Maharaj. That's Yashoda. Nananda means she's delighted. She's filled with bliss by seeing this uh, form of her son. So it's a little, uh, a beautiful medi- verse to meditate on Krishna. Kwanata kanaka kinkani kalapam smitamukam udjwala nasika agramuktam kalajatanarnita pindamangre tanayama vekshananda nandapat. So the, 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 the Bhakti Samrita Sindhu is filled with verses like this. You know, we have Prabhupada's wonderful uh, translation. But if you get into it, it adds so much. You have the original sense. Okay, I'll end now. All glory to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you very much for your attention.